This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 1437. How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen When Your Kids Talk, part one by Christina Eden of corelivingessentials.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to ORD. I'm your host, Greg Audino, and I'm here with you every day, including weekends and holidays, to read to you from some of the best relationship books and blogs out there. Now, if you're new to the show, there are some nuances. So each Saturday is for Q&As, Sunday through Wednesday is general relationship narration, and Thursday and Friday is for parenting content, which, of course, we will be looking at today. It's a longer post that I'll be sharing, so I'm going to read part one today, and then you'll just have to come back for part two tomorrow. So let's do what we do best, jump into part one of this article, and start optimizing your life. How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen When Your Kids Talk, part one, by Christina Eden of corelivingessentials.com. The best method to get our kids' attention is to let them have our attention. Does that sound a little counterintuitive? This story was taken from the memoirs of two teachers who were instrumental in influencing change by enacting simple, small techniques with their teaching practices. In a rural town, a certain grade of children was disruptive and disrespectful. And it wasn't just one or two kids. It was the entire class. Their actions soon created a hostile environment not conducive to teaching. Many of us have experienced the rough days when children are learning about life, others, and how to best interact with the world around them. Sometimes we're successful in navigating these moments, and sometimes we need help. These two teachers were experiencing the full force of this struggle one day and banded together, forming a plan to help these children make better choices in how they interacted with others. The principles they taught and used are explained in their own words and include skills that bring love, connection, trust, dedication, self-belief, self-trust, and trust in others, and even a desire to build parent and child relationships that last a lifetime. They also address ways to disperse fears of not being good enough and fears of failure and loss. Memoirs. Quote, After two long years of teaching junior high, I was ready for retirement. When I'd entered the teaching profession, I'd expected the students to behave, to want to learn, and to show respect. Oh, they did as they were asked if I coaxed, bribed, or threatened them. And not many were late if I waited to call roll a few minutes after the second bell rang. But respect? They didn't even know what the word meant. Taking the toll on my desire to teach were numerous obstacles. Students, apathetic attitudes, administrative political ploys, the parental dissatisfaction with the education system, the lack of cooperation, the high levels of competitiveness among faculty members, and the disrespect for fellow human beings. 
time and time again I'd been told, those students are worthless and disrespectful children. The evidence from my classroom, the hallways, and comments by other adults convinced me that this statement was true. Veteran teachers freely gave their condolences. There's nothing you can do about it, Janice. Just grin and bear it. It's part of your job. For two seemingly endless years, I followed the advice of the veterans. However, I was not happy. And as far as I could tell, neither were the students. The students were nothing more to me than objects in a room of furniture. My ideal classroom, a pleasant place for learning, had become a war zone. Daily, students engaged in confrontations, unpreparedness, flagrant ignoring of classroom rules, name-calling, and fighting. The more I incorporated the discipline philosophies of experts and veterans, the deeper I entrenched myself into the battle against the misbehaving students. Writing names on the board only produced cantankerous silence. The suggested rewarding for good behavior progressively cost me more money as the students became manipulative with demands for more costly rewards. In addition to the war that had developed in my classroom, I was constantly held responsible for any and all of the inappropriate behavior of students in the hallways, gym, and cafeteria. I was personalizing and internalizing every confrontation, and I was unable to leave the battles at school. My insides churned as I recognized that I only had one solution, to stop teaching. Encouragement from my family and friends persuaded me to stay until Christmas. If things were not better by then, I would quit. I know in order for me to enter my classroom the following year, I needed some sort of ammunition, some kind of help or power to engage in the classroom battles. I promised myself to enter this war with more strategies and tactics than all of the students combined. These battles would be fought in the trenches. I was determined that the students would not win. If I lost, so would the students. End quote. Does that sound familiar in any way? Raising kids can be like a war zone. What happened to all of those movies in which the kids obeyed and they grew up to be very strong and motivated individuals? There are a few skills to use that will change the war zone to the best time of our lives. Does it sound simple? Yes, it can be. We generally choose one of several parenting styles with our children, and just the name of the style gives a clue on how to parent. Can you spot your style? Number one. Authoritarian. Authoritarian parents intend to shape, control, and evaluate the behavior and attitudes of children in accordance with a set standard of conduct. This style does not invite children to participate in the discussion of rules, disciplining, or expectations, followed by the belief that children should accept their parents' word for what is right. Generally, with this style, parents value firm control of their children's behavior and are often less than warm in their own behavior. They rarely encourage their children to express feelings or point of view, particularly in disciplinary situations. This was the type of teaching used at that rural school. As is often the result of this style of parenting or teaching, the children rebel, or they become silent. They lash out, or they turn so far in that they're very hard to reach. They lose their identity and their belief in themselves. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled, How to Talk So Your Kids Will Listen and Listen When Your Kids Talk, by Christina Eden of corelivingessentials.com. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, and this one from Christina is off to a good start. Thanks to her for that. Now, as we were going through that memoir, I found myself, I guess, surprised um, at how easily a lot of adults, even people as highly qualified to work with children as teachers, have such a difficult time stepping into the shoes of a child and considering the interactions from that angle. I guess what I'm saying is that we know kids better than we think we do. We were there once. And rather than following a manual passed from one adult to another about how to deal with them, it can often help to consult our inner child for guidance. So if you find yourself in a situation similar to that of the teacher quoted, direct your thoughts towards what you felt you needed as a child. What did you think you needed? What got through to you? And if there's time, what did you not realize that you needed until now? And how can that be relayed in a child-friendly way? Some food for thought as we end this episode, everyone, but there's a lot more left in tomorrow's part two. So I thank you for joining today, but do be sure to come on back for that one tomorrow where we finish up. That's where your optimal life awaits.